The reading is taken from Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 14, and then Romans chapter 7, verses 4 to 6. And they can both be found on pages 1132 and 1133 of the Church Bibles. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may may increase? By no means. We are those who have died in sin, died to sin. How can we live in it any, any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him and through baptism into death, in order that, just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death, like like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know what our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought uh, from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Romans chapter 7, verse 4 to 6. So, my brothers and sisters, you are also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear the fruit of God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that when we bore fruit of death, but now by dying to what was once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Rachel. Um, I've been coming to St. Jude's for about five years now. Um, I come with my boys, who are all in um, Little Sparks, Rob, my husband, and my two boys, Zach and Joshua. Um, And we love being part of the church here. So, for those of you who um, haven't been before or or just need a recap, like myself, um, at the moment, we are studying um, the Romans course. And it's a course that the Bible Society have put together. 
We so far have looked at, there's a nice mountain image, but I was not organized enough to get it, I'm very sorry. But we have started down with the gospel and how Paul talks about him being confident in the gospel and he wants the Romans to be confident too. We then move down to Paul discussing sin and how we have all fallen short and we all need to be saved. But then we've talked about salvation and how God does save us and he saves us by grace. It's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we have been saved. And then last week we looked at peace and how we have security in God's grace. And so we can have peace with God and access to his presence. So then we come here to Romans 6 and 7. And in these passages, Paul has a reminder to give the Romans. For some of them, it might have been new news, but for most of them, it was a reminder. And I expect the same is true this morning. The reminder is this. In Christ, we are free. We have freedom from sin, and we have freedom from the law. And so Paul writes to the Romans, and he talks to them about what it looks like to live a life of freedom. I don't know about you, but it's a reminder I certainly have found myself needing, particularly as I prepare. Galatians um, 5 verse 1, another of Paul's letters, says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I think if he's saying, by the way, it's for freedom that you've been set free, that's a reminder they need and it's a reminder we need too. Because just because we are free doesn't mean we live in freedom. In the Bible course, they call this week the narrow ridge of freedom. Now, I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think about freedom, when you hear that word. For me, um, when I was thinking about this, almost like a kind of the hills are alive, panoramic freedom, nature all around you, expanse as far as the eyes can see. They were the kind of thoughts that came to me when I was thinking about freedom. Wide open spaces, possibility. One dictionary definition says that freedom is, means you're able to act as you wish, not under the control of another. The soup dragons say, I'm going to say it rather than sing it, it's going to be hard, because um, I'm free to do what I want any old time. But that's not how we see it here in God. It's not about um, wide open spaces. In this course, they call it the narrow ridge of freedom. We're free from sin and we're free from the law, which means we are free to follow the way of God, the way of Christ. Jesus said, it is the narrow road that leads to life. The narrow ridge of freedom, but true, godly, biblical freedom nonetheless. It's like passing your driving test. don't know if you've done that. I've done that. Um, pass my driving test means I'm free to drive. Great. Um, but you're not free to drive anywhere you like. You're not free to drive the wrong way down a one-way street or the wrong way round a roundabout. There are rules and, and codes that we need to follow to be able to use that new freedom of being able to drive in a way that is good and safe for us and for the people around us. 
So God sets us free from the law and free from sin. But there is a way of life that we are to follow if we want to have a good and godly life. So Paul starts chapter 6 by saying this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. It's the argument that if, if we're saved by grace, if it's all about God and what he has done and he saves us while we're still sinners, then does it really matter if we carry on sinning? Paul says, categorically, it does matter. We're not to live in sin anymore because we have been set free from it. And he goes on to talk to them about two things, their beliefs and their behavior. So beliefs. The things we believe shape the way that we behave. Um, I can't, I don't know if you can imagine this scenario. I'm sure none of you have ever been in it. Um, But I know we like a football analogy, so I'm going to go there first. So have you ever been at a football match? You're in the stadium, it's like nearly 90 minutes, and your team is like three, four, five nil down. I'm sure no one can imagine that. Um, You're really losing. And you know that there is just, you believe there's no chance that your team can come back from it. You're not going to win. And that moment where a whole bunch of people suddenly, even though the final whistle hasn't gone, they all just leave the building. I'm not going to win. Our team's not going to win. If I leave now, I'm not going to miss anything. I'd rather beat the traffic, get back to my car, and hurry up and get home. You believe you're not going to win, so your behavior says there's no point in staying. Another example, one I can relate to. um, When you're pregnant and you're told that certain things aren't good for the baby, so like caffeine, And so if you believe that, and you believe that these things aren't good for my baby, then the right thing to do, your behavior changes. You might love your morning coffee. You might feel you really need it to get going. How are you going to stay awake without the caffeine? But you cut it out because you believe that it's not good for your baby and your behavior changes. Our beliefs shape the way we live, and Paul knows that. So he starts by reminding them of what they believe. It is the truth that sets us free. That's what Jesus says. So he tells them this. We are those who have died to sin. It's the past tense. It's already done. We have died to sin. Sin no longer has reign or control or power on us if we are in Christ. And he uses the image of baptism one we've seen so beautifully demonstrated before us this morning. When we're baptized, we are baptized into Jesus' death. When people are fully immersed, you see that even more clearly, where they literally go down into the water. They go down, symbolizing into the death of Jesus. But we're also baptized into his resurrection. They come back up again. And that means we are in Christ, and the things that are true for Christ are true to us. 
we are no longer slaves to sin. We have freedom from that point in time. So whether that is today for you, being baptized, or whether that was a date in the past, or whether that's something you're considering for yourself, whether you want to be in Christ, to walk into his freedom, to be baptized into him, that is true. In baptism, we are united to Christ, and sin loses its power on us. We are free by the grace of God. That's the truth. So what's the behavior then? Because if that's what we believe, if we believe we are free from sin, then it needs to change our behavior. We need to live in the light of that. As I said in that kind of pregnancy example, the behavior change is choosing to cut out caffeine and all the other foods that they say aren't safe for your baby. If we believe that it is true that we are free in Christ, then our behavior should show that. Now, let me be really clear. It does not mean that we can't sin or even that it's easy not to sin. But we do have a new way. We can choose to live in God's freedom. It's the narrow way but in Jesus, and only in Jesus, it is possible. So our belief shapes our behavior. So what does that mean and look like for us? How do we live in the light of that freedom? I think it starts with reminding ourselves regularly of the things we believe. I wonder what that might look like for you. It'll be different for each of us how we can do that, but I've really, God's really shown me that I need, to, I need to really believe this, not just know it in my head, but I need to believe that Christ has done enough already to set me free. And I don't just need to believe that today, I need to go on believing that, to go on choosing that, and to go on living in that. One of the things I felt God say to me this morning um, was maybe that I should try, and I will try, but I know that I will fail, but I, sh I should try to start my day by listening to that, that worship song we sang, I Am Who You Say I Am. It's got some really great truths in it. We are who God says we are. Not who the lies say we are. Not who we might think we are or other people might see us as. We are who God says we are. We are set free. We are not forsaken. Maybe there's a way for you that God might put on your heart today that you can remind yourself of these truths, of these beliefs on a regular basis. I know last week, Adam gave out these birthright cards. Maybe that's a good way for you. If you haven't got one, I hear there are plenty and you can pick one up. But these have, these have Bible verses that tell you truths about who you are and who you are in God. Maybe you want to stick one of those to your fridge and read one of them, two of them every day. Remind yourself what you believe 
because it is by belief that we can live and change our behavior and live in the freedom of God. I'm going to pray now, but just before we pray, um, I'm going to ask you a question, not to answer to me, um, for yourself. But I really felt God ask me the question, and I think us the question individually. What is it that is stopping you from living in God's freedom right now? Maybe, Maybe you are living in God's freedom and that is great, and, and we pray that that continues. But if you're not, what is it that is stopping you from living in the freedom that God has on offer? Perhaps it's fear. Perhaps it's shame. Maybe there's a particular sin or thing that you are tempted by and struggling with. Maybe it's alcohol, pornography, gambling. Maybe it's gossiping at work. Maybe it's putting ourselves first. Maybe it's, it's legalism, it's the feeling the need to do certain things to be accepted by God when really, really he has already done it by grace. Whatever it is that is stopping you from living in God's freedom right now, I believe that God wants to come and meet with you. Because it is only possible with the help of God to live this narrow way of freedom. It's not easy. But with God it is possible. So we pray now. Father God. We thank you. That when you sent your son Jesus to die for us. When he rose in glory. You saved us. Not because of anything we did, but because of your grace and your love for each and every one of us. Help us to know that truth, God, deep in our souls. Help us to live in that truth, to receive your freedom. And where we struggle to do that, please, God, come now and speak to us. Minister to us. Be at work within us. That we might live lives of freedom for your glory. And we thank you, God, that whatever we are struggling with, whatever sin, whatever shame, whatever fear, that in your house, there is a place for us that we are children 
of the living God. Amen.